0: Hey everyone, Emil here, and this is episode 42 of Double DM, and boy, we've come a long way so far. I don't want to make this too uh, long, so let's get right into this. Wireworld World Matters 2 is out still for you to listen to on all podcasting platforms. You can also find Double DM, and it was a lovely discussion by so many amazing people. It was amazing, and also check out all the creators involved in that. Another thing is we want to shout out Souls Rolls, Countess Cassie and Magic Missile Podcast who all had releases this week. Souls Rolls with mm-hmm. Last Transmission, Wayfarer Station, Countess Cassie with What Crooked Roots and Magic Missile with Whispering City, Games, Supplements and all that stuff and all three of them are great friends of the show great people in general and you should check out their stuff and yeah with that i don't think i have anything else to tell you but leave us a nice review on your favorite podcasting platform follow us on social media and then enjoy this episode thank you thank you
1: Hello and welcome to Double DM Podcast. This is episode 42 and with me is, as usual, my lovely co-host Emil. How are you today? I am doing very good.
0: We've just had a recording session ourselves after this. I watched Arcane Act 3 before this. No, there won't be any spoilers in this recap. Thanks. Because Niels hasn't watched it yet. I can just say how lovely that series is and... I can't wait for a second season. Yeah, it will be awesome. I'm not saying much, but I would love a continuation of this story. I would love them doing something completely different. Arcane as a word doesn't imply this story they are telling right now. So they can go into every direction. There are some awesome theories out there on subreddits and Twitter and social media and discords and we're not all, which are very interesting for where this cinematic universe for riot games might lead
1: yeah i'm excited for that what it all has to do with, with colors with colors mm-hmm. okay, that, okay. That,
0: that that's a that's a naughty look naughty little spoiler hint and and and
1: theory okay colors okay i will keep an eye out for that and when i watch the episodes mm-hmm. Th- thanks now yeah all right good to know watch out for colors keeping that in mind so, coming back to TTRPGs, did anything mm-hmm. fantastic or bad happen to you this week regarding TTRPGs?
0: Um, yeah, I had a session. I had a session on Tuesday that ses- that that campaign was put on hold for a few weeks while we sorted some stuff out on that group and we finally went back into our session. Nice. We had uh we were in this um valley in the desert which was kind of like not where it was supposed to be. Let's say that. It, it was kind of out of place. It, it was this magical place, a magical jungle of everything. of, Like, like, like um, a time capsule, maybe, mm-hmm. you could say. And oh my God, there was this canyon we needed to go through. And we had no idea how to go through. So our wizard asked, hey, let's get one of the big flying snakes from the sky to come down here. So we let the, we were kind of like in a protective shield, protective shield barrier by the gods, by the 12 gods in this universe. And Mm -hmm. we asked them if they could open up a little hole in the the sky box that was made by their holy animals to let one of those flying snakes down. So we could petrify it. Our wizard could ride it and then fly over the canyon over to the other side where a magical ritual would happen where he could probably recharge with magical energy to actually get his powers back because he was out of mana
2: Ooh. Ooh.
0: and wait, mind, this is not dnd this is uh, the dark eye there you actually have astral points or mana for mm-hmm. casting spells and he needed something back he needed his juice back and he couldn't just go take a fucking long rest. Yeah. And even if he would, he would generate like six, like like 1d6 plus four mana points out of his 60 pool. Yeah. Then he just, uh, and then he went over there, flied there, and the dark elves that were holding that canyon, then just, um they left their posts to go follow him because he was a danger be- because this, the, their object was not to let us through this canyon. So they went after him. Then... <laughs> While two of us, the, the our charlatan and our rogue mastermind, were getting the horses, um, so we could maybe do a charge through that canyon as a suicide charge or something. The dwar the dwarven king and my ranger were talking about it a little bit, and we were like basically, okay, this is our perfect opportunity, we need to take this now. So he rallied up his 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 dwarven legion, his dwarven units, his it's like, I don't know, twelve i think 12 dwarves he had with him plus i convinced fucking king kong or fucking big ape to basically come with us charge down this canyon now because now there's actually a chance of us surviving going down this canyon we went down this canyon and we easily went went through the dark elves flat into the jungle on the other side we met up with our wizard and then we went through this eye uh this this eye in the wall or in there were, were like two trees growing to form an eye and that's mm-hmm. where a portal was and that's a portal to the secret plane of lizard folk okay that's where our campaign is headed that's where our campaign is supposedly ending
1: okay i think okay <laughs>
0: I don't know how long we're actually gonna play for now, but I I think we're nearing the end, kind of. And 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 now we stopped, and now we probably won't play for like one or two weeks again because prep for like we finished the like this is a published adventure kind of. We added so much stuff on there, obviously. As you and do. Our DM had this, and 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 now he had to pull out uh, the fourth, uh, the fourth book in this series to let us go forth. And I think the fourth is the last. I think. Okay. I
1: don't know. But there's still a a whole book ahead of you. So you have something still to play. Mm -hmm. It's nearing the end, but getting there and getting some sort of closure for your characters could be nice as well. I'm excited to hear stories from that.
0: Yeah, um, I'm excited to live them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, charging a canyon with basically a pocket King Kong sounds like a fun one. Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. sounds like a fun one
0: mm-hmm. and now this is a very interesting um oh my god what's gonna happen next because we have no fucking clue nice so did anything happen for you or do you have anything happening
1: uh nothing spectacular happened but one of my players from one of my campaigns wanted to run a one-shot a christmas themed one-shot because i they, uh, told my uh, groups that i wanted to take a break from dming uh, while we are in christmas times mm. because i need a break and i think christmas times would be a good way because turning inwards being with your family all that kind of stuff you don't want to miss out on that too much so that, that's why i chose it and one of my players started uh, wanted to dm there uh, the first time and wanted to write a whole one shot together uh, now and yeah, I'm excited for that. He uh, will ask me some questions about how to do stuff and blah blah blah. All that kind of goodness. I will be helping him with that in the next week. And yeah, tomorrow I have two sessions I am playing. One I am DMing for and one I am a player in. The one I am playing is a online campaign with a couple of friends and two people I've never met from America. We are playing an online session mm-hmm. and getting to know new pe- uh, getting to know new people in the community is always nice and we are mm. playing a curse of strut campaign
0: mm. yeah so, if you told me about that before yeah last episode or something
1: yeah and yeah so basically i will be playing from noon up until 2 uh, 1 a.m in the morning on the next day or something mm. it can i think it can get quite exhausting but also fun at the same time yeah so i'm excited for that but yeah that's basically my week. Mm. So. That's interesting.
0: Okay, then I think we have nothing really else to talk about. We should get into the episode. Yeah, we should meet Derek from DMDM Studios. Hey everyone, Emil here to talk with you about ads. We don't have any this week, but that's not a problem because then I can just tell you about our Ko-Fi where you can donate to us if you think that we are doing an awesome job and want to support the show. It would really mean the world to us if you were supporting us you don't have to there's nothing on there yet but we will probably use that a lot more when our actual play titans call is coming out and yeah when that is out we will probably have bonus content up there or even a patreon at that point we don't know but yeah if you want to support the show that that's basically the best way you can do it thank you have fun with the rest
1: and with that welcome back to the episode with us now is our guest derek Would you like to introduce yourself? Who are you? How did you get into TTRPGs? All that kind of stuff.
2: Hey guys, I'm Derek. You might know me as the guy that runs Channel DMDM Studios on Twitch. I got into TTRPGs about 10 years ago, I'd say, in uh, my time in Japan. I was stationed there and I was really close with some friends that got me linked into a local D&D 3.5 game that was going on. Uh, It was a Gestalt campaign. I played a druid monk and i basically turned into the hulk it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a fun
1: character
0: it does you you were in japan you said you were stationed there right anything more about that if you want to go into that i don't know how was that time and and
2: yeah so i think that i like probably many of us um found tabletop at like a really crucial point in my life um i was kind of late to the party right most people kind of get into tabletop when they're in junior high or high school and i was so concerned with how I appeared to people at that point in time that I was like oh no I can't get into that that's that's nerdy that's a little bit too nerdy for me let me just spend 2,000 hours playing Oblivion throughout my high school career (laughs) that's less nerdy right no that was stupid I don't know why I felt that way but I guess that's a little bit of a digression what I'm trying to get at is I kind of was really in a low point in my life when I was shown tabletop and i was really into theater when i was in high school i was unfortunately uh made to quit doing that and so i never really got to get back into that side of things until i found tabletop and i was like oh my god i can do all the cool stuff about theater and there's consequences and you get to kill stuff that's dope
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think at
2: least for three of my
0: friends it's basically been that same thought wait i can do theater and there is no script for me and i get to hit stuff yeah
1: (laughs) i mean going around in the fantasy world and fighting dragons and being the hero without a script forcing you to do specific things is kind of a dream right oh yeah oh
2: yeah
0: 100 i then want to segue into our Discussion today into what we wanted to talk about, um, and that is letting your players influence your setting and also story and game. And I wanted both of you, starting with Derek, to give me a little bit of. An overview of what that actually means for you.
2: So I'm a really big fan of Matt Colville, MCDM. And uh, I think a lot of people are, that we all kind of hang out with. I'm a big supporter of his. I, I hang out in his live streams and stuff a lot. Um, one of the things that he talks about that really resonated with me, and he talked about this a couple of years ago, um, it might have been last year or the year before, was nobody gives a fuck about your setting you can spend hundreds of hours writing stuff down and nobody's going to care unless they can affect it because that's why they play the game like yeah it's a game about killing monsters and being cool person but like what's all that for what's all the drama for what's all the stakes for is because your choices matter we talk a lot about railroading i see that conversation come up all the time on twitter and i think that we're all so goddamn tired of it the the problem that i have with a lot of um people with the way that they talk about their setting and their the games that they run is that they talk about it like it's sacred and like i mean i'm sorry but we're in the year 2021 now nothing is really sacred nothing is is so deific that it can't be changed or at least understood through a different lens or perspective. Isn't that what the entire last 21st century was about? Was that like religious order fell down? I mean, Nietzsche wrote a whole book about it, that the way of old perception is gone. And now we have to find our own interpretations of the world and the consequences of that will never set us free. We will always be shackled to that. That is like the most core narrative drama to everything that has come out. I mean, Lord of the Rings, right? Lord of the Rings is like what everyone looks to when they talk about fantasy because he took all the things all these disparate parts of different cultures and religions and belief systems tied them all together in a nice little package and said here we can kill orcs here it's fun it's cool these are the bad guys these are the good guys go forth and do what you will with it and now we've had time to digest that material and kind of regurgitate it in a form that we see fit and it's so cool to see how that's like we're seeing now that orcs don't always have to be the bad guy and that like you can tell these awesome stories and narratives that the people that are at your table are at the head of nobody wants to play second fiddle at dungeons and dragons everybody wants to be a part of the same team that's making serious changes and obviously we're not talking about like level one to five stuff maybe what they're doing makes a difference in the community's life and that's obviously valuable but what i'm talking about at the core is like the dungeons and dragons that everybody like aspires to play right those crucial tier two is what we're calling it now five to six to like level 10 play that's that's really where the change starts coming into and then when you get to 11 everything goes out the fucking window
1: higher tier D is a nightmare <laughs> alone the abilities a level 20 wizard has at his disposal is just time altering reality altering shit the player throws at you and you as the dm has to deal with it
0: yeah it's just i, I mean i'm the weird. kind of person that loves it when my players basically break everything and just destroy me and my setting and Break me over the knee and let me cry in a corner for thirty minutes. I mean, like, that's the reason why I, I have you no high problem giving D&D. my players an item that stops reality for five minutes and th- and letting them do whatever the fuck they want with time. But yeah, higher and- level D&D still scares
1: Yes. <laughs> and most of the time, many of my players, if I gave them the ability to stop time for five minutes, wouldn't do anything completely world breaking, but more like weird shit, putting <laughs> pine cones they found in people's hands and then releasing time again (laughs) and suddenly everyone has a pine cone and nobody knows why and now a new deity has formed or something yeah exactly (laughs) some stupid shit like this
0: pine cone deity
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean After level 15, they're basically gods anyway, so they can (laughs) afford to do stupid shit like this because they are able to still change everything else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically for me, letting players influence the story or the world is exactly what we talked about with uh, the aspect of theater that D&D has, but feeling the consequences of your own actions or the consequences Mm -hmm. of others' actions who took those actions because of your actions.
2: Mm -hmm oh yeah improv is like at the core tenet of D, &D,
0: right i mean for me i said this a bunch of times on the show already i i often see some dms basically think like they're the director of a movie and their players are their actors and the characters are the protagonists of that movie and yeah okay that is the right direction but your players are not only the actors but they are also the audience Mm -hmm. And then you also have, when when you stream or podcast, you obviously have another audience, but Mm -hmm. not talking about those. Then they also are part of the writer's room writing the script with you. And the script isn't written before you actually start, but one page at a time after each scene is getting played, basically. And you can't expect everything to work after how you maybe think about it. Because when, when when I DM, I have something in my head planned something like okay next thing they're probably gonna go to the blacksmith or something that's what the paladin wanted to do next so i can mentally prepare already for a blacksmith but if they then don't go to the blacksmith then I just need to let go of my blacksmith. I, I can't force them to go to the blacksmith anymore because right. that wouldn't make sense for them.
2: And you don't want to hamper player agency. That's also one of the core tenets of d d right? Especially yeah. with how we play it now. I mean, you talk about like old school TSR days. That was a completely different game. It was just a board game flavored with pretending to be a knight or a wizard or an elf or something. Elf was a class back then. It was, mm. it wasn't a race, right? Things change and the way that it's changed, has gotten so much better and more conducive to actual storytelling. And I feel like if we don't acknowledge that we have come so far from where things went without still like finding why those things still worked we're selling ourselves short. We're doing ourselves a disservice, right? Like I'm not saying you have to be a scholar of TSR, but I am saying that if you want, it's hard to say this honestly, right? Because like, I can't tell anybody what to do and I don't want to tell anybody what to do. But in my personal opinion, I have come to enjoy the hobby and and take it more seriously as, as you know, whatever that may sound to anybody out there. When I started becoming a student of the craft, like looking into what it is that actually like makes good games and like why things work the way that they do. I mean, there's a whole generation of kids out there that have never heard the term bounded accuracy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a joke. It was was a poor joke. Adjusting things on the fly um, is going to come into effect pretty much every single time. Um, The like you said, you can't just expect that you, they're eventually going to go back around and go to the paladin's blacksmithing run if they're now talking about going to the arcane library and the wizard suggests, hey, well, they might even be able to just enchant your longsword. And well, what, what does the paladin want to go to the blacksmith for anymore? Um, <laughs> mm. um, if we're talking about like letting your players affect the, the table and, and the way that you're playing, I mean, I think everybody does that a little bit, right? But what I really feel like I have a a good habit of doing is after the table time like doing homework and looking at the lore for my setting and, and looking at like what has already happened in the past and thinking about what the players have done and how that might kind of conflict with something and if that something doesn't really have too much importance with the story and what's going on and what's already happened then I'll change it man like nothing is sacred you know if if you have to adjust something on the fly it might be fantastic and it might not but if you take the time to think about what your players are doing and how their actions are impacting the world and then you look at who else in the world might be interested in that? And and, I mean, you spend all these time coming up with organizations and story threads and villains and NPCs, because we all do it. You know, we just have this jumbled mess in our brain, at least I know I do, of like just stuff to use at some point. And I mean, look, there's your opportunity, man.
0: 100%. I mean, there was a big post like... Matt Koval talked about, or like you talked about with Matt Koval, but someone else made a post that basically no one cares about your setting. And while I agree with the general premise of that, obviously, right, it's still still obviously your player's do care about the setting because they're in it but Mm -hmm. they don't give a fuck if the fisher three villages further down the road does this and this or if the neighboring country's economy makes sense right now or not no one cares no one gives a shit the most important part is the players in your setting
1: period everything revolves around them so they have to be the most important part they don't care how the country next door is called or what the fisherman's name is as long as it has a name whatever
2: it may be yeah yeah no i completely agree with everything that you just said um <laughs> let's not beat around the bush matt colville is known to make inflammatory statements on twitter <laughs> for time to <after> time <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> especially for me with those statements even if i don't agree with them they make me think right and that's basically what i care most about because one of the core things that we've talked about a lot with this podcast is we can't tell people what to do it's it's not possible they they need to decide themselves and how we, we say something and they f- start thinking on it and that's why i think this discussion is so important because Like you said, some people still treat their setting as this is sacred, this needs to be there. And yeah, yeah, okay, it needs to be there, but it only needs to be there to support the play you have at the table. Like if you you want to, I I can totally understand. For example, for me, I do a lot of world building that isn't relevant to my players, but it's more for me to actually just as a writing exercise, as a creative writing exercise for myself. That's not necessarily like, okay, this is not set in stone in my world, but it's just, okay, I have this now. This is maybe a theory. I can put this here. And if my players cross it basically out, I can just change it. This thing still helped me write. This thing still helped me be creative and focus myself on that setting. And some things I still can use. But like only just because I wrote something doesn't mean they have to experience it the way I want it to be experienced.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think... It- everybody's made this same exact mistake that I'm about to talk about. Hey guys, I want to play a new campaign. You're starting in a prison. Don't worry about equipment.
0: <laughs> this hurts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. Okay.
1: But, 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 but
0: one thing. <laughs> My last campaign had, had one had, had one prerequisite. Don't make, give yourself equipment. <laughs> you have You have only five things of equipment. You choose them wisely. <laughs> and I was like... Huh, okay this hurts though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> see but that can work in the right game right like um one of the games that we play on my channel shameless plug legend of five rings is um you start with like i think it says like just pick 10 items off of this list and so it's like it's i mean part of that you can say is that because of like the cultural lens that you're looking through it's very part and parcel of the culture that the game is based in that you are not your stuff um we we in western society tend to view our ourselves as like uh, our stuff is kind of like extensions of ourselves and you know it's just kind of how we how we view things so i mean you know it can go either way with that i wasn't trying to make a, a statement about equipment as much as i was about starting in a prison a prison with no player agency <laughs> yeah um, on the note of player agency um the uh, I guess the the thing that I made me feel like this would be fun to talk about because I I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this on a podcast so far is that the last session of my previous campaign, which was like a year and a half culmination of like my wife and my best friend, it ended with "Okay, guys, you did it. You have fifty years, and your new friend here can cast wish. How do you change the world?" And that was kind of cool i mean i just kind of let them go buck wild like you can cast wish once a year so they had like 50 wishes um they didn't even get through all of them (laughs) (laughs) turns out when you have unlimited power you kind of run out of things to want after a little bit yeah
0: Yeah. i 100% agree i've seen the same thing happen with my last campaign where i basically made my players the undisputed gods of everything and i will I, i say everything the campaign was about them Killing the goddess of fate and becoming the six new gods of fate. And they destroyed the whole multiverse, time itself, fate itself, just so they six are left with an empty blank space. And they created six new different realities, each for one of them, where they can basically do whatever the fuck they want. Then I let them basically just talk about what they wanted to do. One of them was a pacifist in game. There was a flaw in the game, which basically made you pacifist you shoot worse with guns or something very minor thing like min- minus 10 percent to gun control or something and well yeah in her in her reality wars crimes theoretically don't exist the implications of that we didn't really want to go into but i what i was just like yeah okay you want that you can do it you you're an omnipotent goddess of everything obviously you can do it
2: yeah what's reality other than whatever it is you want it to be yeah that's like next level i was planning on getting there but (laughs) stuff falls apart around 16th level when you start at level three i guess but i mean we had a good run
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean as long as you're having fun you you
2: didn't do it wrong right (laughs) i guess to kind of like um pivot back to what i was talking about um at the end of that, like it, it birthed my setting. I completely redid the continents. I got way better at incarnate so I could do that and make it look all nice and good now instead of just crazy like biomes that don't belong anywhere near each other. And I got the scale down. Right. And it was funny when I showed one of my players, he was like, what happened? I was like, Dude, you literally killed the great sultan of the elemental plane of fire. You replaced him with your mom. Um, your other player character is well on their way of becoming a god. And you're asking me where this other landmass came from. Like, what are you doing? Now? <laughs> I get to come up with some stuff too and that's the cool part is that I got to come up with some stuff too I got to come up with a lot more stuff and I mean if we ever go there then I'm gonna change it to whatever matters then like I had a whole story thread with something that got completely changed because one of the player characters one of the player characters ended up raising an empire and they were not allowed to pass through a city and so when they had this I'm sorry we have cat um when um when they passed through this uh city the first time and they were told nope you can't go here you have to go back down the mountain and go around she was like i'm going to remember this and she did and she came back with an army and then she uh you know what happened um i rewrote the lore to where she reunited the elven people because technically even though it was by bloodshed she did that and uh i mean I kind of just rewrote the lore to match what her deeds were with how I feel the people would have reacted and responded with it. Because as we know, as mankind history is written by the victors and just because one guy at the top said that Things were this way doesn't mean that when they're gone, people aren't going to remember them differently. And I mean, they're not go- this character's not gone yet, but she's not playing that character anymore, so right? Like, she's off the screen. I mean, what's that old adage? A character is born when they come on stage and they die when they exit. Like, that's unless they come back, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, as well, exactly. As long as the character isn't relevant, they don't matter, right? That again, you, you only focus on what you have in front of you and not what's either along the road or behind you on the road really you focus on the players you have at your table and what they want to do and how you want to have fun with them period nothing else matters really
2: yeah absolutely and i mean going from like that super intimate like three player campaign of like two players in a dm to like now a more classical like four player campaign in a dm like having to find a way to st- Still make all of that work in such a way that's fair to everybody because you always want to make sure that everybody gets the opportunity to feel like cool person right you don't want to ever feel like anybody gets the limelight more than anyone else you want everybody to get to feel like they get to live in that world just as much as everyone else they're taking time out of their busy schedules to be there you know you want to respect that um but because of that is such like a pressing thing when you're talking about like rewriting your canon and lore if they're just doing dumb stuff you don't have to acquiesce to every little thing like no is still a term at my table for a reason and i I don't just use it willy-nilly obviously i try to yes and or no but but i mean if if they're doing something that just downright counteracts the laws of reality of your realm unless they have a really good reason to back it up why would that work like verisimilitude is a very important factor in the game and lore builds into that very specifically everything has to feel lived in and breathed in for, for a similar two, to even be considered an aspect for something to to deal with especially not something to just keep up the whole three to four hour session like are you kidding me i mean looking up a, a, a rule in combat does that break your immersion
0: not for me not necessarily necessarily
1: depends on on how long it takes
0: yeah exactly
2: if you can
1: figure it out in one or two page turnings that's fine but if if it breaks out into a rule discussion, that's yeah. the line.
0: Discussions, I sh- I shut down discussions. When we enter combat, my players know exactly that it's basically I make the rulings, just so we can get this over with. And after we have the session, after we have the combat, maybe we can talk about it and find a be- better understanding of it. For example, one player wanted to once um, one one enemy was phased out into the ethereal plane, and the player was holding scorching ray as a readied action. And then we got into discussions of if he's allowed to fire the three shots or just one. As far as I know, it's the three shots. And that's how we ruled it. Even though one other player said he's only allowed to shoot one because it's three three different attacks. And I said, fuck that. Even if that's true, I don't give a fuck about that right now. I just want to have this combat done. We can talk about this later. No problem at all.
2: I think it sounds like we all probably agree on that. If you just crack open the book to a certain page and you can find what you're looking for in a minute or two, it doesn't break your immersion. Why? Because you're making sure that you're tracking with the reality of the game. If you're asking the dungeon master a question about like, well, how does this work in this thing? And they're having to come up with it on the fly because they've never thought of it before. It's not going to break your immersion if they're you know, even if you can tell that they're kind of like, I mean, OK, I play with a lot of dungeon masters. Right. So I think that we can kind of tell when somebody else is kind of flubbing when they're like, yes, and it does this because of that <laughs> for this reason. And like you're just, yep. of course, I put you on the spot. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that to you. OK, what you say goes. Sure. Like because that is also such a core tenant of the game. So if you are having to make up lore on the spot and your players are playing with you in good faith. Um, and let's face it, we're not going to want to play with somebody who's not playing with us in good faith. Um, then, you know, you're going to come up with something that might not necessarily work now, but you can always revise it later if you, if you need to. And I mean, I don't know, I guess, furthermore, if you are going to be treating your lore as another way to ground the players in the reality of the game and the setting, then it needs to be cohesive. Even if it's a crazy high fantasy setting, like it still needs to be cont- Contiguous, i think that's right Mm -hmm.
0: i think so too yeah one thing i learned in school at some point eighth class eighth grade religion class or something you need to destroy a system from within right you need to find flaws in the system for the system to actually break as long as the system itself is cohesive and works in its of itself then you can't break it And then it's exactly what you want. You want to have a system that's that's understandable and at the same time doesn't break itself. And then you're basically golden. That's all you need for your players to get immersive in it. And then they can go off on how they want to go into that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, what's the point in developing this big, huge sandbox world if you don't have anybody to play in it? And if what they do in it doesn't matter. I mean, that was kind of like what we said at the beginning, which I guess was like the crux of what I wanted to say. Is <laughs> like you have to take what they want into consideration and everybody does that. Otherwise, you're not going to have players for very long. You have to have the world respond and react to what they do. Pretty much everybody does that because that's just the game. But what I feel like I would have benefited from in my TTRPG infancy was somebody sitting me down and saying that the the stakes in the drama are, or rather, the drama is the object of the game. The The way that you win is to keep playing but the the drama is the object. Everybody is aiming to make these big, dramatic, intense moments where like, it, oh, it's coming down to the wire. Oh, this fight with this Draco Lich has been a pendulum and yada yada back and forth. But in order to actually accomplish that, you have to have something that is dynamic and fluid enough in its core structural foundations. You have to write it in such a way you have to world build in such a way that I mean, For me, it works with how crazy and out of organization that my brain is because I can just think like oh here's a name of something and that name can be like a layer of something and then I look at that name and it's usually like a conglomeration of two things Um, and by putting those two things together in in a way to remake it take it from another language however it is that you feel like coming up with something and this is just a tool that I use um, you, you build like a layer and then the next layer is well what might be there and then you build That layer, and then the next layer is well, what would it be like? And and that's when you don't usually consider what it might be like until you actually sit down and you're playing there. You don't actually consider what a place might be like until it's time to think about. Okay, my players are going to walk through this area. They're going to see this, and they're going to smell this, and they're going to hear this. I have a combat encounter planned down the hall and it's going to be pretty rough. So I need to give them some kind of warning of that. You know, you're thinking about things mechanically. At least I am thinking about things mechanically when it's time to think about things mechanically. Everything else at that point adds another layer. And so you can kind of build this infinite sarcophagi of layers that when you exhume the next it's like a russian nesting doll like i forget what the actual word for that is in russian but it, it's it's like a nesting doll and when you take it out there's another thing there and that next layer just adds on to that sense of verisimilitude it adds on to that like no this is a real thing this this is actually happening i'm really killing a goblin 200 feet below the earth next to a magma vent
1: mm-hmm. i do have one question for you guys we talked about that players are able to change the world by their actions, by their backstory or whatever, that you are, uh, shouldn't be afraid to change your world's lore to fit the players better. But do you think there is a point where some things shouldn't be changed or that there are, if there are things that you shouldn't touch as if they're sacred, as though we said there is nothing sacred?
0: Um, I'm gonna take point on this one for for the first thing. Yes, nothing is really sacred for me. I my setting is changeable as however it fits the game and even if I start a new campaign in that setting I can always go back to that lore I wrote that's sacred just for this campaign I don't and for the next I can still go back to that but for example in my setting right now my players are uncovering the hidden secrets of the old U1T race the old basically dominator race that dominated the whole continent they are on and they are extinct. And there's a reason for that. So one thing I basically said is to my players in session zero, it was the discussion of nobody wanted to play UNT, so it wasn't really a problem. But I I asked them to basically not consider it if it wasn't necessary to what they wanted to play. Like, I totally understand when they want to, and I can find a way. It's a perfect hook for that character to uncover the hidden lore of their nearly extinct race at that point now because they are basically one of the last of the kind of the one of the 10 people around the world that actually are still UNT, and that's cool. But I asked them, hey, this race is more or less off-limits. Please don't if you don't want to. I have a story. I want to. you I want you to uncover UNT temples. The best thing you can do is not be UNT for that, and that was a discussion in session zero. That's, the, I think, the most important part about it. Talk to your players if some things are important in your setting let them know because if they know they will most of the time and i'm saying most i mean 99.9 percent of the time players are understanding the dm says okay this part of my world i want this to be like this and your players will go yes obviously and go off of that and then they can ask you about it and play with it and
2: interesting it's it's very funny that you um mention it uh emil because i am also going to be dealing with uh like the, what happened to the Yuanti in my campaign, but for different reasons, not because that's going to be like the basis of the campaign, but because one of my players wanted to play a Yuanti. So I guess to kind of like tie that into answering the question, yes and no, which is kind of, uh, uh, you know, a wishy-washy <laughs> way of not answering the question. But if I was backed into a wall, I would say um, it's okay for you to make your game however you want to make it, as long as you have people that you're playing with that understand that that's what you want and if that's what everybody understands then there's not going to be a problem nobody's going to have an issue with it for my personal preference i wrote the lore and the framework of my setting with the intent that i wanted players to change it like for another example the whole purpose of me choosing to go into the story thread that i am is because that's something that my player picked kind of hearkening back to um what i was talking about uh, earlier in the way that i built the framework of my world was that most players maybe not most but some players at some point are going to want to be a god and I wanted to have a way for them to be able to do that because how cool is that you can go on the rest of your life saying yep in Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I played in I got to be a god and that was pretty cool like I mean we want to have these stories to tell around like tables with other people sometimes you know we want to be able to live vicariously through these characters and experience things that are way outside the realm of reality for you and I and anyone else that we know in reality like I guess another way to answer the question would be to say that like if you write things in a way that you take player agency into account at its inception you won't have to you don't have to choose i mean
0: yeah that's actually very perfect actually yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i have my setting and oftentimes it's about right often people say kill your darlings right Mm. never think your setting is sacred never think anything in your setting is sacred because even though it is to you the only thing that is sacred to you is like when i think about what i wrote for my setting the only thing that i think about why i wouldn't change it is because i put time into it and that's not a problem for me because i just the time i put in and the the text i wrote or the things i made they are not gone they are Mm. just not relevant to the game we are playing so they are not there this time like i don't get why people would say for example just have multiple times of your world like just like, why not have multiple worlds right if they don't interact with each other like you can have the same world 25 times with minor changes to account for every campaign you play in that world and and like i can already hear people saying eh, that's boring writing and i'm like well i don't give a shit about <laughs> your opinion on that it was yeah, fun writing
1: the setting so i'm gonna use it yeah exactly uh, you.
0: like, I, <laughs> like The things I wrote, I want them to be there, but I want the people that I have in front of me at the table to have fun, and and oftentimes I do that by just killing everything off that's in my setting that would go against that. It's one of the things that in the actual play, niels and I are doing. We have I I have a rule as the DM there, and that's basically players over X. Players come first in every instance because they are the people I play with this game with. If I don't have them, I don't play the game. I, I can write the best. Law i want if i have no one to play it i don't get to play it oh yeah so really the only thing i care about is the people i play with and after that come the comes the rest and i don't care if i have to change a rule my world whatever i want my players to have fun and if they are having fun i'm doing it right
2: yep agree talking about like what you said about having like infinite variations of your timeline i'm a huge fan of dark souls um i don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. seen my endless retweets of that stuff on twitter or uh, if, if you guys are fans of the series yourself um and they they hearken to things like that as well i kind of implemented something within the framework of my world to kind of accommodate for something like that where like everything kind of happens in cycles and it could be at any point in the cycle that things are this way and it might be like that next cycle and it might not and who knows when that cycle is going to come back and effectively what a cycle is is the big bad evil guy which is this big draco lich named necronomulus comes through devours everything on the whole plane and then it gets remade and then everything kind of starts back and it might be that we're at the age of myth we might be at the age of strife which these are just words that i have for different moments of history in my setting um but i can still plug and play any of the things that i need because kind of like what you were talking about i mean, i put work and time into these things especially now that i'm making maps like i put work and time into these maps and i'm not gonna not use them like i mean maybe if they're bad then i'll redo them or something but i i guess like i i really what you said kind of struck a chord with me like i i feel like that's something that people don't really talk about enough mm-hmm. is that you can have whatever excuse you want for infinite variation and
1: One thing I just thought of was if you have multiple or many variations of the same universe, you can make fun little story beats or one shots out of this. For example, you could tell your players, hey, please come up with a common name and a common appearance, basically, but everybody then choose different classes and stuff like this, and then have a one shot where everybody plays basically the same character out of a different universe with different classes and stuff. Yeah
0: that could actually be a very fun idea
1: so you all look the same like exact copies one is a little muscular more muscular the other others might be a little thinner or smaller or something like this to accommodate to the stats and classes you chose Mm. but still have uh, roughly the same appearance and the same name (laughs) just imagine uh, having a seven people party of the same dude walking in a tavern and they ask what are your names and then just seven times the same fucking name (laughs)
2: imagine having to deal with that as a dm but you (laughs) wrote that
1: (laughs) that would be a nightmare but i think a funny one (laughs) nonetheless
0: yeah i mean it's a very nice idea actually for just having a fun one shot but but actually i think it can very good showcase what we talked about so far because all of these people then could theoretically bring in different lore different information different things and all of them are true at the same time and you then can basically maybe you could even do that or that that could be fun as a session zero minigame Oh, or it's yes. just mm. minus one mini game, and every one of the players prepares a little bit of lore for their setting, and then afterwards you decide as a table which of these iterations of the same world you want to set the game in. So that's, that's everyone comes play. basically with, with with a good hook. My kingdom is under attack. I need to get back and defend my kingdom, and then your players can say, "Okay, I want to play that. Let's go with that." Oh yeah. And 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 that could probably be a very fun idea actually to make a plot that one of your players more or less suggested and the rest of them then went in on and said, okay, I want that. And then you can as a DM instantly have a hook, instantly have a plot line and you don't even need to think about it yourself. You have your players doing it for you Or with you rather even.
2: I think I just witnessed a birth of an idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Double DM. (laughs) Would would this be quadruple DM? DM 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 DM? DM? (laughs) (laughs) Double DM 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 (laughs) Now with now with two times the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> two times the dm two times the fun hey, hey. <laughs> um okay <Yeah. laughs>
0: I, I want to make one last point really and that's uh, we talked a lot about letting your players agency run wild working with that and not setting yourself in stone and i think one of the best things you can do for that is as nearly always i say is have a session zero have expectation management, and, and I mean good expectation management. Talk to your players a lot. Let them also hear you out, right? You're, you're a player too in this instance. You play with them this game, and everyone should be taken into account for that game or changing and shaping the game. And just talk with them about everything, and you will find a consensus with the players you want the people you want to have at your table are the ones that will find a consensus with you. The people that play in good faith with you, the people that want to play with you will find a good way of how you want to deal with stuff. And from that you can get how you should write your world, how you should write your stories and how you should do whatever, because then you know your players and you know what they want. And you can guess what they, how they will play this out and you guess what you can actually prepare and write and make and what you should let open because you know it, won't, will that point will never come up because mm-hmm. they will never go there for example yeah or they will always go there yeah
2: i think that was i kind of got caught in my own digression when i was talking about it but the reason that i brought up the tsr way of doing things like the old school way of doing things was because like the way that the modules were written was that like prep was basically done for you like oh you want to go visit the lord okay well there's 16 guards there that here are their stats he's got this bodyguard and it's all done right there for you like and then it's basically just well what are you doing though like what do you want to do um and i mean obviously back in the day it was so much more linear in that like this is the module guys this is what you're doing this is the object you know um but now with the way that we tell stories and we we weave narratives it's it's so much more freeform and if you take an approach to your prep of like i'm just building what i know is there like talking about the layers from earlier like um i i, I just i know what is there then you don't have to really account for a lot of what it, what the players want to do because they'll tell you what they want to do and it's going to happen at the table and it's going to feel awesome because it's all going to be organic and it's all going to be done and it'll be cool <laughs> yeah i just can
1: agree with everything you guys said it's just sometimes on um, this podcast you guys either you Emil, or our guests just take the words out of my mouth and just say exactly what i wanted to say and so i can just agree with you guys and yeah
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> just checking
1: it happens all the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean the same thing happens when you talk for me so okay so i think we are in the process of wrapping this up so derek please shout out any person any projects anything you really like where can people find you what do you do again and all of that stuff
2: thank you emil thank you Niels. i really appreciate you guys having me on by the way it's super cool this is the first podcast i've ever done so uh, i want to say thank you for that that's really fun um you can find me at twitch.tv slash dmdm underscore studios. I host five actual plays each week. Uh, i know medic Mori hosted by CC um, on Twitter. CC dot, dot on Twitter. Um, Very good person, a, by the way. Oh, he yeah. On the show as well. Love him. Very He's, oh, so cool. Such a good guy. Um, yeah. So that's on Fridays at 7 uh, central 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's a Blades in the Dark actual play uh, live on Every other Saturday, we have Curse of Strawn, hosted by Ampersand and d on Twitter. On every Saturday, we have Covet Syndicate, which is my homebrew 5th edition campaign um, that I run and host on uh, Twitch. Every, mo- uh, every Sunday, we have uh, Heart of an Empire, a Legend of Five Rings actual play live, hosted by Lost Haven Art on Twitter. And uh, all of these campaigns are on Twitch. The fifth one is... Um, a little bit more of a freeform Curse of Straw and heavily modified homebrew that I do on Mondays at midnight. Uh, all those times, by the way, are Central Standard Time. Um, I know that we have some people from around the world that like to watch some of our stuff, so check local listings. Um, a couple more shout outs to uh, throw in there. I want to give a huge shout out to uh, obviously all my dungeon masters, all my players. If I was going to sit here and list them, I'd be here all day. Um, but I do want to give a special a couple of shout outs to uh, Burnt Coin. Uh, you are the homie, dude. I would not have the confidence that i have to be on the show right now without you dude thank you um and then my lovely lovely wife um she is fantastic sleeping in the room next to me she works days i work nights
0: (laughs) well we don't want to keep you any longer it's been a pleasure having you on really was a great episode in my opinion was a lot of great things we talked about exactly so people can find us on twitter and instagram at double dm pod we have a website www.dm.com and we also have a ko-fi if you ever want to donate to our show for what we do if you yeah that's basically we don't have anything else to shout out
2: (laughs) i forgot to shout out my twitter (laughs)
0: well and quickly do that. It's at DMDM Studios, right?
2: Yeah, at DMDM Studios.
0: Perfect. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Derek, for being here once again. We will hear you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.